Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello there and welcome to episode 25 of the Offside Rule We Get It podcast. I'm going to keep putting We Get It in there occasionally because we forget sometimes. The trio are reunited, by the way. I'm joined by Hayley McQueen and Kate Borsay. Hello. And we've once been in um, Molly's bedroom, Kate's daughter's. Now we're in my living room, which is very small. And it is very different to Molly's bedroom, right? <laughs> Lest we think people think that, that you live in pink with tiaras and sparkly bits. Yeah, no ones. Instead, there are just books on Gary Neville and Harry Redknapp and Pep Guardiola. And I like the look of that one, Tim Tate, Girls with Balls. Girls with Balls, that's the one for us. That's the one for us. Uh, we'll start then by talking about what's coming up on the show. Uh, topic two, selection headache. Uh, we've seen Roy Hodgson appearing at many Premier League games, haven't we? Those cutaway shots, he's in the crowd. Uh, checking out the form of England players ahead of the pending World Cup in Brazil. Well, which surprise players are lighting up the Premier League or foreign leagues that you would take if you were Roy? Now, there is a little thing to mention here. I'm not after people with lots of England caps. I'm after players that maybe have five or fewer caps, which has limited us down, Okay. Um, Also, topic three, football selfies. A lot of footballers use social media nowadays, so I'm looking particularly at things like Twitter and Instagram and any footballers who've posted some really good pics. Kate Borsay spotted a really good one this week from Lucas Podolsky posting a picture of himself on a London bus. That made the Daily Mail, didn't it? It did. He looked so happy with himself as well. And I, I interviewed him a few days ago. I thought it was really funny to see him behind the wheel of a bus during the tube strikes, mucking in with all the rest of the Londoners. Um, so what we've actually gone and done is looked for a couple of selfies, footballer selfies, that we really like. Now, they don't have to be a selfie, by the way. That was just for catchy title purposes. Um, we'll go up then and start with topic one for this week. We're going to start with as bad as it gets. This was the quote from David Moyes after Manchester United drew to bottom of the league, Fulham. Hayley raises her eyebrow. Um, give two other examples of results or events that were as bad as it gets in football from your lifetime. Now, it can be an individual player, a manager, an owner, a director, or the team itself. And you can go far and wide for this one. You don't have to just stick to the Premier League. We start, as always, but we'll be chipping in with Hayley McQueen. Yeah, Manchester United aren't doing great at the moment. I'm going to remind Manchester United fans of a time when Fergie was in charge and they weren't doing so great either. It was one of the biggest shocks in footballing history for a very long time. Yep, that's right. Mancini's rampant side inflicted that biggest home defeat since the 50s and equal biggest since 1927. They absolutely ripped them apart. And not only that, the all-important three points, never mind the six goals put them five points clear at the top of the Mm. table and Fergie was just left wondering what the hell has gone on there. And actually, the build-up to this game wasn't just about United City, the rivalry. It was about Mario Balotelli. He gets a mention in most week's podcast because... (laughs) He does, we love him. This is an ode, all of this, all of our efforts. It's just an ode to Mario Balotelli. So the fireworks, unfortunately, went in Manchester City's way. Unfortunately, I say, if you're a Manchester United fan. Uh, and I mentioned fireworks because it was the weekend that Balotelli recovered, of course, from setting his house on fire from that fireworks display in the bathroom. <laughs> and he uh, scored two goals as well for them. So there you go. That was my worst day in football as a Manchester United fan. <laughs> so that's as bad as it got for you. How bad did it get for you, Kate? A quick funny one before I go on to my main one. Arsene Wenger. 
not a great result for his side. And and yes, I'm going to bring Liverpool into this again, but it's a result that needs to be noted in football history. Arsenal travelling up to Liverpool and getting defeated 5-1 at the hands of an emphatic Liverpool side. And it was as much about Arsenal's poor defence and poor organisation and just lack of everything as it, as it was to do with the fire and the strength of Liverpool's attack. But uh, imagine you're Arsene Wenger, your team... Top of the table has just lost to Liverpool and you know that you're going to finish the weekend not at that top of the league spot. What could be possibly the worst thing that might happen to you after getting completely pummeled at the hands of Liverpool? You're not doing this. You're not bringing up the fact that he fell over, are you? Because I so am. <laughs> oh no. See, actually, I think this is awful. He's an elderly gentleman really, isn't he? What? What do you think? What do you think Arsene Wenger's going to say about being termed an elderly gentleman? He's not eighty-two. No, but he is an elderly gentleman. He's certainly in his elder years, and he fell over, bless him. And everyone's ridiculed him. It even made match of the day, and I don't think that's news. And you're now bringing it up on this podcast. He just fell like a bit of a bit of a limp gazelle. He just—he was all arms and legs, he and he could have really hurt himself. And you're laughing. Oh, oh, okay. So you've never laughed at someone who's fallen over before, Lindsay Hooper? Yeah, healthy and fit young people. But he's not geriatric. <laughs> He is pretty old, mind. We're just looking at some of the pictures. He looks, he looks like he's had far too many to drink. Far too much to drink. And the security officers are there. Come on, son. You've had enough. One too many. It does look like some of the pictures look like, come on, son. It's time to move on now. <laughs> is that seriously as bad as it gets? Or have you been short on time to do any research for this topic? No, I've got another one for you. OK, Marine FC, based in Liverpool. God, I'm really Liverpool heavy today. I'm, I, I do apologise about that. I, I just gravitate towards Liverpool, sadly. Um, Stop apologising for it and get on with it. <laughs> uh, in 2010, crikey. It was as bad as it got for them. Three of their players suffered serious injury. One broke a fibula and a tibia. Another one was involved in a car crash, suffering from whiplash. There was another injury to another one of the players as well. As if that wasn't bad enough, uh, they played a game without all these key players and they were winning, but victory was snatched away from them when their floodlights failed. So injured players, floodlight fails to make matters Worse, the team were in the bottom half of the Premier Division. They lost the last five games on the bounce in the Unibond League at that point. Some of their squad involved in a betting inquiry that saw them uh, suspended by the FA. So you got suspended players, injured players, floodlight issues. So they decided to call in a local priest to try and fix it. Chairman Paul Leary saying that if it took banishing demons to improve their season, then he would give it a go. So Father John Ely rocked up with a prayer and uh, poured some holy water over the pitch. Did it work? The only reference that I've got here is that in 2010, this all happened by the way, all this poor run of luck in January 2010, by the end of the year they'd been named Club of the Year (gasps) by League Sponsors Unibon. So I think we can safely say it did turn around, yeah. There you are, Hayley McQueen. Get on the phone to David Moyes, get the priest in. (laughs) Well, I'm going to pitch in now with Derby County and not over one season, over two seasons and two spells with two different managers. We'll start with Billy Davis, who's doing very well at Nottingham Forest and has gone back there for a second spell, hoping to get them back into the Premier League. Um, But when he was at Derby County between August and November in 2007, played 14 matches, won only one, drew three, lost ten. They had the worst Premier League run in their history. And Derby's main problem was their goals against figure as well. They conceded 33 goals in Davis's 
his 14 matches in charge, only managed just six points. Davis was sacked and with his side just two points behind fellow strugglers Sunderland. So in steps, Paul Jewell. Paul Jewell comes in. He thinks, you know, I can't do much worse than Billy Davis. Oh, yes, I can. Um, from November 2007 to May 2008, they actually stuck with him a bit longer than they did poor old Billy. Played 24 matches. How many do you think he won? One. There's got to be a couple in there. Come on. None. Oh. He didn't win any matches. He drew five and lost 19 games. He achieved the f- the famous 0% wins, which everyone mentions in the history up in, up in Derbyshire. Um, Joel struggled more than Davis did. He earned five points compared to Billy Davis's six. Get this as well. Derby conceded a staggering 89 goals in 38 matches. What a miserable season. Surely that is as bad as it gets. How about losing £25 million in a 48-hour period? That is as bad as it got for the bookmakers just last month. They suffered their heaviest ever losses on football over a weekend because every popular team won. That is right. It was described as a perfect storm. The headlines in the papers in the morning just had uh, Coral and Betfred and Betfair and 365 and Skybet and William. I'm just trying to make sure all you bookies get a mention because I'd like to be friends with you all. They all had pictures of them just head in hand. Really unhappy about the fact they, they lost all that. Why do you want to be friends with them all? We see Cheltenham's coming up, so I'm hoping <laughs> okay. for a few different bookies, different box every day. That'd be nice. Are we going to try and get the offside rule? We get it to the races. I think we should, okay. yeah. Okay, I've got one final as bad as it gets. I'm going to keep it brief and we're going to put a link up to a diagram which is just going to highlight my point. Um, I've been spending some time at TalkSport because I've been doing the Winter Olympics reporting for them. And so I went scouring around on their website and found a, an article. It dates back to, I think it was November last year, um, but this player is still injured. He was injured then, he's injured now. To be quite honest, he's always injured. Got much promise. Arsene Wenger wants him to get back fit. But I'm talking about Abu Dhabi. Um, lots of accolades for him, his potential as a footballer, but we, do we ever get to see it on the pitch? No. Um, he's still nursing a cruciate ligament injury. Um, and also, I think Wenger came out quite recently and said he's not really anywhere nearer to being ready to come back. He's still sidelined to this day. And there is a diagram, which I'm going to put the link up to you, to a talk sport article where they have listed every single injury that DRB has had. It is littered with them. He's got more than Shemi Elcott from the skiing. Uh, I thought I'd get a Winter Olympics reference in there. Um, so, yes, he's got so many da- on this diagram. I'm going to put the link up and we'll make sure we tweet it out and also put it on offsiderulepodcast.com. So, Abu Dhabi and his injuries as bad as it gets for a player. Hi, I'm Phil Thompson and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Next up, we move on to topic two, which is selection headache. That's exactly what Roy Hodgson is suffering from at the moment. So we thought we'd give him a helping hand. We're nice like that. Um, We've got three players each that we're suggesting that Roy takes to Brazil. They have to have five caps or less. If you want to stretch that out slightly, feel free. Um, But who are you choosing, starting with Hayley McQueen, to go to Brazil? I have two players. One actually has earned more than five caps, but hasn't played for a while. And he's been very much out of favour, but absolutely banging the goals in for fun at the moment and a real team player. Uh, the other has just one cap and it's Raheem Sterling. Now, I didn't know if you would go with this, Kate, because obviously you have your Liverpool connections there. But lightning pace, very agile and 
really, I think, could cause a bit of a nightmare. I don't mm. think opposition would be quite used to a player like this. I've gone for Raheem Sterling as well, so we'll we'll sort of all pitch in if we've got mm. any duplicates. Um, what I'd say, blistering pace, yes, I've gone for him for that reason. The other reason is I feel the last few games, and correct me if, you're wrong, if I'm wrong, Kate, from watching Liverpool as much as you do, I think he's getting a bit more assertion in front of goal. And I think he's a bit more confident in front of goal. And that used to be the thing I doubted him on, is if he got that one-on-one opportunity, would he slot it in the back of the net? And I think that's coming together. And we're looking for someone on the right, aren't we, at the moment? Even if he doesn't obviously start in those games, it's someone to come in and cover and cause that trouble, assists and goals. He may find that harder against the opposition that he's playing. But the fact that he is 19 and you're playing at altitude and in the heat, maybe he won't be so affected by that. Um, So he was my first pick. The other is Adam Johnson. I just think he's in such great form at the moment. Roy Hodgson has been looking at Sunderland in particular. He's been looking at Hull as well. There are a couple of players at Hull at the moment. I think Steve Bruce had said, in actual fact, I have defenders and midfielders, all three of them who've impressed at the KC. He thinks Tom Huddleston, Jake Livermore and Curtis Davies should all be considered for England selection. I did look at them, but I think realistically, Adam Johnson, if he continues the form that he's in, he's had a career that's been blighted by bad luck, a little bit of injury and just really terrible form. And I think the age that he's at... At the moment, he is returning to his old ways. Gus Poyet believes in him. And I think Adam Johnson's really starting to believe in himself. Really struggled to justify that price tag of his. He was a massive signing, of course, played under Martin O'Neill and Decanio. Just didn't quite work with them. But I think something about Gus is just getting the best out of certain players, in particular Johnston. I, I feel like he's having a purple patch, though, and that concerns me. That's the reason why I've not put him in my three, because I don't know whether this patch and this spell of his is going to actually carry on into the summer. And the conditions in Brazil are going to be completely different, working with different players, having to gel differently. I don't know, but there's no denying that at the moment he's on fire. Yeah, I think if... If they were picking the World Cup squad, which I think Gus has said, if they were looking into it now, they would, of course, pick Adam Johnson, Premier League Player of the Month for January as well. So they, they, they're going to have an eye on him. It's just whether he can keep it up. I don't think Sunderland's league position is helping. However, there is that battling determination to make sure that Sunderland do stay up. And I think he will just ride on that confidence, which he hasn't had for a good few years now. Um, I'll pick up the microphone here and come over to you in a second, Kate, because I'm going to go with Ross Barkley. I think we need someone to be a depth for Steven Gerrard. Now, I am a massive fan of Steven Gerrard. I think he's a brilliant England captain and he's done great services for the country and for his club over the years. But I do think he is coming towards the end of his spell as a professional footballer and he will want to go out with a bang. But it depends on how far England progress. I think you have to go and take a squad with the intention that perhaps you could go past the group stages. I know we've got a tough group, but you're hoping that we can go a bit further and maybe, maybe semi-finals. Who knows? Um, That's me being really optimistic, by the way. Um, but in that case, I think you need someone that you can rotate Steven Gerrard with or someone that can, if Steven Gerrard starts to struggle, he's going to be a really good impact player that can come off the bench and pick up where, where Gerrard's left off. And if we can only get 70 minutes out of our skipper, then we need someone to bring on. And I think Ross Barkley's it. I think he's got great awareness, can find out and source brilliant passes. He's also capable of a goal from distance. What more do you want? Absolutely. And my final one is Stephen Kulker. 
in defence. Um, I think he's been absolutely brilliant for Cardiff City since joining them um, and it's his performances at club level that have justified me choosing him as, as one of my options. Okay, he has this great partnership with Ben Turner at Cardiff and that's the one thing that I just wonder, would he be able to recreate a partnership as quickly in the England team? But if he's in the squad there's no harm in being there as some backup. I don't think he's going to be a starting player but I think that he's someone that we can start building and factoring into the England squad going forward. So maybe Maybe someone to take with the view to the next couple of tournaments um, or certainly the next one. Uh, Kate, yours. Quick mention before I go on to mine that um, all of your picks, ladies, Adam Johnson, Raheem Sterling, Ross Barkley, Stephen Corker, all feature in the top 10 outsiders for England's World Cup squad. That's uh, a feature piece on our website by uh, one of our new team, Andrew Papadopoulos. So go and check that out, guys. It gives you a, a, a full and in-depth rundown of those picks. Oh, I wish I'd gone there first. I could have <laughs> nicked some of these stats and ideas. Oh, great. Have you told everyone that the Offside Rule podcast is going to Brazil, by the way, Lindsay? We haven't revealed that, but we will be going. And um, it's myself and Kate, because hayley has got so many weddings this summer, it's untrue. Um, but we will be there and we will be doing something in an Offside Rule We Get It capacity. I keep putting the We Get It in there. It's very, very exciting. We get it. Yeah. Uh, my picks for you. I'm going to go with just a bit of a left field one, just, just because I want to throw a few new names in there. Um, I'm going to go, first of all, for Leicester's first choice centre-back, Liam Moore. He's 21. I've tried to avoid the younger players because they will, unless they're really exceptional, they are always going to be involved in the under-21 setup, aren't they? But I just can't ignore Liam Moore. Um, started off this year as uh, first choice defender at Leicester. A string of assured performances. I mean, he's been absolutely exceptional at the back. He's performing like a player well above his 21 years, it has to be said. He was voted Football League Young Player of the Month in September 2013. I know Fulham tried to get him in the recent window. Uh, It's played for the under-17s and under-21s as well. One to watch out for. I am, though, going to sing the accolades of Curtis Davis, too, for Hull City. We've heard Steve Bruce this week in his press conference mention how he would love Tom Huddleston, Jake Livermore and uh, Curtis Davis to be recognised by the England manager. And in fact, the England manager was watching Hull's 2-0 win at Sunderland. Um, Davis has been so strong this season. I have to take my hat off for him, really hitting his form at the age of 28. And in that centre-back position, I think we could do with a bit of solid backup there. You know, people have been talking talking about John Terry um, in that position, coming back into the squad. And, and yes, he's got a fantastic partnership with Cahill, but... I think Curtis Davis could be a good one to look at, but he needs game time. He really, really does. So I really hope he's called up for that friendly against Denmark so we can take a look at him. My final one, everyone's been raving about him, but it's one that I need to mention, really. 25 years old, Southampton's Adam Lallana, one that we've got to take. You know, Lindsay, you mentioned how important it is to look at the wing as well and to look at speed. Uh, And, you know, I wouldn't look any further than him. He's already made two appearances for the senior team. He's likely to get a call up uh, against Denmark on the 5th of March I think it is Um, when uh, Southampton won against Fulham 3-0 at Craven Cottage he scored the first goal and was just so instrumental uh, in that second half uh, to uh, help uh, his teammates secure the rest of those goals and he was in such good form just so strong he just looks so good at the moment his manager after that game 
uh, where Roy was watching as well, by the way, Maurizio Potticino said that not only should Adam Lallana be on the plane to Brazil, he was good enough to play for Brazil as well. Oh, that's that's quite an accolade. I'm not sure I'm with him on that one. But hey, you've got to big up your own players, haven't you? Uh, Let's take a little break for a jingle, but it's a little different this week. We've got Twitter Topic of the Week that myself, Kate and Hayley will bring you because Sean has lost his voice. So Sean, play something here, give us a breather and we'll be back in a sec. Twitter Topic of the Week. There you are. That was seamless, wasn't it? So we're back with Twitter Topic of the Week. And Kate Borsay is going to explain exactly why we're doing it and what the topic was. Shall I put my best Bristolian accent on, ladies, as well, shall I? Do a Sean Thorne. I can't. I just can't keep it up. Um, So we, this week, have been looking at which common phrases from managers' press conferences you at home would like to make it onto your press conference bingo card. This is such a genius idea, and it was inspired by a tweet from Miguel Delaney, who uh, hashtag press conference bingo and uh, put, I thought we played well. We'll start with Miguel for a couple of the suggestions that we've had, and we've been in under. We've got pages and pages of suggestions, so we're definitely going to make some bingo cards out of this. I think it's important to note that we have not got to time to go through all of these so if we just pick out a couple each highlight those and then you'll get a full list of bingo card on our website offsiderulepodcast.com and we'll tweet that out from offside rule pod account as well and just to say thank you very much for the response as well guys it's been fantastic Miguel Delaney chipped in with one and said Martinez is always very proud Tony Pulis for some reason likes to stand he does I always think it's so he can make a quick get out so if on Friday it's Valentine's Day and you've not really got much to do just have a watch of the press conferences and you can play along bingo. That's it. That's your, that's your Valentine's sorted. Um, another quick couple to mention here. Adrian Forrester uh, has given us uh, a couple. His uh, Twitter handle, by the way, is Your Blind Ref. Uh, taking one game at a time, he says, and it's already a six-pointer for me because I attend a lot of these press conferences. It's going to be a tough game is one that comes up in every single one. Hayley, pick us out a couple of yours. Neil Underwood's actually given us a couple. One game at a time. I'm a huge admirer of. Yeah. Could be any opposition yeah. manager. Insert place that you're playing away at in here. It's never an easy place to go. Again. Classic. We've got a Richard Buxton, a regular contributor. He's just got a bit of a knock. We'll assess him in the next few days and see how he is. <laughs> you always hear that one, don't you, rolled out. Um, I'm going with Tony's just because his Twitter handle is Guizoir. <laughs> Love it. How about we played with spirit or the right attitude? Yeah. Um, Anthony Gale says it was a game of two halves. We always hear that. Um, Sam Wilson, Mr. Sam Wilson on Twitter. I've not seen a replay of the incident yet. Um, this is an Arsene Wenger classic, isn't it? I haven't seen a replay yeah. yet. And um, Marcus Speller, I'll finish on, who who's a friend of ours who presents the Football Ramble. He said, I'm the manager and I pick the team. (laughs) Well, we're the boss now and we're picking the tweets. Uh, Chris Gray said, I can't fault the commitment and desire of the players. Daz Wilco simply said, I didn't see it. With all these cameras, action replays and multi-angles, you would think that actually anybody can see anything these days, but hey-ho. That's the famous Wenger one, isn't it? I didn't see it. Uh, final one here from Tom Scott. Thanks for this, Tom. An honest bunch of lads. Take the games as they come. Can only focus on our own results. There's a good spirit in the camp. Press conference bingo. We love it. 
Make sure you get on the website offsiderallpodcast.com to see the full list. We're going to make that up and jazz it up as well. Loads from this podcast that's a little bit visual. Our website editor, Rich Laverty, not liking me this week too much, I don't think, because we're going to have um, a visual for topic three, which is coming next. I'm going to bring forward Kate Partridge and her Bundesliga roundup for this week, and we'll end with topic three. So here's Kate rounding up everything that's been happening in Germany. Hello, ladies. It's a familiar story in the Bundesliga. Leaders Bayern Munich continue to break more records than a DJ's ex-girlfriend. A rare goal from fullback Philipp Lahm helped Pep's men wear down Nuremberg 2-0, stay a mere 13 points clear and extend their remarkable unbeaten run to 45 games. Arsenal host the Bavarian behemoth in the Champions League next week. Fortunately for the Gunners, and less fortunately for him, Frank Ribery is out after the not often reported reason of buttock surgery. Hmm. Second place Bayer Leverkusen haven't given up the title chase, winning 1-0 at stuttering Mönchengladbach. Sami Hoopia's side remain four points ahead of Dortmund, even though Jurgen Klopp's inconsistent charges boosted their automatic Champions League hopes with a 5-1 blitz at hapless Werder Bremen, who are having their worst start for 39 years. In that lopsided road romp, Bayern-bound Robert Lewandowski nabbed a brace to take his league tally to 13 goals. But before it all gets a bit predictable, let's add the league's top scorer is 7th place Hertha Berlin's Colombian Adrian Ramos on 14. And while Braunschweig and Hamburg still prop up the table, there is one mover at the top of the German Pops. After taking two points from their opening three games, Schalke are now fourth, sealing their fourth win in five with a 2-0 home victory over Hanover. Franz Beckenbauer, no less, had tipped the Gelsenkirchen side pre-season. Before Christmas, I was doubting my trip to the bookies. That taught me, don't argue with their Kaiser. Thanks very much for our Bundesliga Roundup, Kate Partridge. And she has a blog, which we've got on our website. I'm giving the website so many plugs today, offsiderallpodcast.com. Let's go on to topic three, football selfies. What did you think of the word selfie and the fact that it made word of the year last year? I hate it. It's awful. It's just really naff and just... It's stupid. So what I've actually asked you to do instead is in light of Lucas Podolski posting a picture of himself on a London bus during the tube strikes, I want you to tell me two of your other favourite postings from footballers. It can be tweets or it can be pictures. Go for whatever you like. Um, I am going to tell you mine are both visual, which again, Rich is going to hate me at the, <laughs> at the podcast um, website base. He's there ready to go and post this up. But I'm going to show you girls first. This is my favourite posting. It comes from Emmanuel Frimpong when he's back at Arsenal. Although I have got a picture as well, by the way, of him in his Wolves kit when he was at Wolves for a very brief period. That's another one of my favourite pictures. But this one, it's a fancy dress night. Mesut Ozil is dressed as Superman. Actually, Koscielny is being a real party poop and not dressed as anything as far as I can see. And I've got Frimpong as Super Mario. How good is that? So I'm going to send that on. That's a really good posting that... um, Emmanuel Frimpong put on Twitter. He also put one with Podolsky, who inspired this topic, dressed as the Hulk. Podolsky <laughs> <laughs> looks horrendous. I'll get that one to you as well. Um, and two others to mention very quickly from me. Um, I thought this was the poorest selfie. This actually is a selfie, the poorest selfie I've seen from a footballer. And it has to come from one of our favourites, Joey Barton, oh. filling up his car with fuel. Okay. And he even says himself... 
world's most boring selfie. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Why has he done that? It's quite funny though. But And one other one, because I'm with all the visuals this week and I think this is brilliant. You'll love this, Hayley McQueen. Um, Fizzer, if you go to the account Fizzer18, that's Phil Neville. Did you know that already? If I just say a Twitter handle, will you know who the footballer is? Yes. Okay. Um, Fizzer18, Phil Neville. Um, he's put an old picture of him and Gary Neville Aww. sweeping up. Oh well, they're sweeping the dressing room floor. Then they, he's put an old picture up, so I'll make sure I get that, and we'll we'll tweet those out and put them on the website as well. So, what have you got in terms of postings? Who wants to go first? Haley. Mine aren't visual. Mine are um, footballers getting themselves into trouble. Uh, Gregory Van der Riel, Dutch international, tweeted a picture of himself at a Little Wayne concert. It wasn't the picture that caused trouble, but it was in October 2009 when he just announced he wasn't able to play for his country in Australia because he had concussion. So there you go. He's known as the bad boy, of course, of Dutch football. So there you have it. Manager definitely wasn't happy with that one. Uh, Darren Bent, around about uh, deadline day, gets himself into a bit of trouble talking about uh, going to teams using F-words about Levy and... Mm. Oh, my goodness. It was when he was going to go and sign for Sunderland. Um, This is a bit of a controversial one. This is a Paul Merson, who, of course, we love as a pundit at Sky. He might not be the best pundit in the world, but he's definitely the most entertaining. Glenn Johnson, professional, tweeted about Paul Merson. Now, this is the kind of thing you expect maybe from just a regular Twitter tweeter having a bit of a go about a professional. But Glenn Johnson, after he was criticised for his attitude, okay, by Paul Merson. He obviously didn't take very kindly to that and tweeted, comments from alcoholic drug abusers are not really going to upset me. And who is Paul Merson's judge players? He was average at the best of times. The only reason he's on that show is because he gambled all his money away, the clown. Now, I'm sorry, if you had any respect for Glenn Johnson as a player, I think it all went out of the window after he tweeted that. Even if you think it, you don't come out on Twitter and say it. That is just not cool. Low blow, low blow. Was that actually definitely Glenn Johnson? Yeah. That's 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 a bit shocking, isn't it? I've got that Darren Bent tweet as well when he says, do I want to go to Hull City? No, in capitals. Do I want to go to Stoke? No, in capitals. Do I want to go to Sunderland? Yes, in capitals. So stop effing around Levy. But he quickly deleted it, I think, afterwards, didn't he? A bit like Frimpong's uh, tweet about uh, about how am I going to draw girls now when he stood there with his with his Barnsley shirt. Aww. He's got a special way on Twitter, isn't he, Frimpong? <laughs> Dench. Uh, <laughs> um, I found a really good Cameron Jer- um, Jerome one, but it, it is from a fake account. But I'm just going to read it because it's funny anyway. It says... Just check my followers. Got some decent birds following me now. Parnaby was right. This is easier than hanging around Topshop. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was very amusing, even if it was from a fake account. Um, Stephen Pienaar, just a quick one to finish from him. He's got a lovely way with people, hasn't he? His tweet. Please, people, I didn't ask anyone to follow me. So if you don't like what I tweet, then pee off. Oh, <laughs> it's quite funny because you can follow Big Sam, which is obviously a parody yeah. account. And there's the boring James Milner because he does keep himself to himself. But you can actually imagine James Milner just tweeting, I'm going to the shop. Another one, Chilean Sheridan is a bit guilty of that. He literally treat, tweets what he's doing, what yeah. he's saying, former Celtic player. Very <laughs> weird why you would actually come out with this. But he said, I think I deserve a medal of bravery. I just farted repeatedly in a disco. <laughs> Hashtag balls. This was when he was at CSK or Sophia. I, I think I was in that 
that disco. I remember a few bad smells. <laughs> There's, there is nothing worse than swallowing someone's fart, is there? Or from being crop dusted, which if you don't know is where someone walks in, farts and then leaves, leaves you with the aftermath, crop dusting. I think we should leave it here. <laughs> I like it. What a note to leave it on. And that all came from that topic. That's not anything that we voluntarily wanted to add in, by the way. Uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye for now. The Female Take on Football.